0: This is Sam Caljonie, founder and CEO of Dogfish Head Brewery, and you are listening to At the Bar podcast. Cheers! Can it's got the, the mustache oh, and, and the shit, monocle?
1: Man. Yeah, the mustache and the
0: a... the orange peel monocle.
1: That is from three taverns out of Georgia, it and that sure beer is, is fucking fits, dude. It
0: is. It's called Lord Grey. Yep. That's so good. You knew it off the freaking handle or off of the, yeah. the can art. That's awesome. Yeah. Big fan of that. And welcome to another
1: episode of Out the Bar Podcast. <laughs> <Big> <laughs> fan. I am once again. I am once again uh, undercover alcoholic Mike uh, picking beers off their labels. And when have them- you
0: been undercover?
1: <laughs> 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 And as always joining me uh co- fellow co-host uh Jeff
0: yeah that's me I'm also not so undercover <laughs> <laughs> so we
1: have we have the episode if you listen to our last episode episode I believe number 65 we talked about um boss Miracle and Dr Shed in the beginning of the episode we talked about the inevitable episode which is this one uh I think this is episode 66 which is one number shy of the devil's number which mm. might be a somewhat coincidence of what we're about to talk about yeah uh this this episode i i, I want to dedicate to uh our our friends over at red cypress uh unfortunately they closed may 31st and we as you guys if you guys listen to the last no. episode we we're finally just getting around to heart covering broken. that yeah um so it's When I found out, I was really devastated um, by it because Red Seifers has always been awesome to us and everything (laughs) like that. So before we get into the topic of their closure and conspiracy theories and the details of that, we have beers open.
0: Sure. Well, mine's open. Mine's open, but... Wow.
1: You talk about your beer while I, I open mine here.
0: So this is an awesome, awesome little uh, beer that I just took my first sip of. And that's how come I know it's so awesome. Cause I literally just took the first sip one second ago. It's called Lord gray from three taverns, uh, which is a brewery out of Georgia. And they, uh, this is a Earl gray tea, sour ale. Um, it's super cool. It's very orangey and citrusy um, with that tea, almost like a, green tea kind of a backbone to it with the sour coming through with the citrus. So it's not, it's not the tea with like a vinegary thing. It's like the citrus is like almost an over soured lemony kind of an, or it's, it tastes like the flavors orange, but it has that yeah. lemon, that lemon sit, uh, like sour with the orange flavor. It's really awesome. Just a cool, really complex sour. And, but it's really drinkable, not very carbonated, which, um, you know, is, is kind of good since it's supposed to be like tea. So, yeah, um, yeah. so it's kind of nice. Uh, at first when I poured it, I was like, oh man, no head on this at all. And you th- expect, sometimes you get sours and they're just like, you know, 50% head and you're like, all right, well that's, you know, <laughs> this is kind of what I expected. <laughs> um, but this one had no head at all, but it's because it's tea flavored or tea inspired or all Grey tea. Sure, sure. It, it makes a lot of sense. And it's uh, it's really, really cool. Um, it's lacto fermented. So it's like, I guess it's a, from, they have a series of lacto fermented beers. Um, but it says, uh, quintessentially British flavors. The world's most famous tea adds strong tangy and zesty flavors of orange and lemon, which I got, that's like the there two predominant flavors. I got mm. them both like right away, <laughs> but yeah. they can't, but the, I mean, that's, in, that's not, because I know what I'm doing. It's because it's just literally all you taste when you drink this is tea, orange, and lemon. Um, but uh, the can art's awesome. And Mike, if you heard in the intro, picked it out right away when I showed him the can on his little... And we've got our you know our computer screens up, and we're like he's got like a little three-by-three-inch picture that I'm showing him, and he's like, Oh, I know that beer. That's awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Really, really good, though.
1: If you guys haven't figured out, we can see each other. But when we edit the episode, obviously it's audio only, but we can can look at each other and send signals to each other about, you know, how to do the show and and whatnot. But I love that beer, by the way. That's a great beer. I usually just sit here and and moon
0: Mike and stuff and try (laughs) try to make him laugh the whole episode. We just play so. like each other off and. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 Like, whisper, fuck you. <laughs> well, remember the episode, not to get off topic. Remember the episode when Chris was, uh, Chris used to be on the show and his internet was cutting out and he was just sending all his messages through a clipboard and he would write yeah. uh, scribble on a scribble on a dry erase board and put it up to the camera. And we'd have yeah. to. So, yes, we communicate verb- all, with all. Visually. Visually. Uh, yeah. Nonverbal <laughs> yeah. communication here. It's is nonverbal that right? communication. That's. Anyway, Mike, slightly less than sign language <laughs> to your Mike, to your beard. Yep. let's do your beer now.
1: all right. so this one uh, is also a sour because uh, me and Jeff are so much alike. Sour this Sundays. from our sour Sundays. This is uh probably my favorite sour I've ever had in my Ooh. entire life. And it's my last can. It's from our our new friends uh, at Corporate Ladder Brewing in Palmetto, Florida, which mm. is a little bit uh, a little bit south of Tampa. This is their dessert station cherry pie, as Jeff can see in the Cherry calendar. pie sour. And it has, it's the Berliner with Montemor- Montmorency cherries, vanilla beans, and cinnamon. And Jeff, this, we all know, you know more than anybody how much, how particular I am with my sours and my beers. This is the best sour I've ever had. Nice. And it's, and it's a Berliner. It's a Berliner. Uh, as you can see here it's it's fucking Very bright Very nice color. Red. Yeah, that's cool. A bright red. Uh and it tastes like a, it's tastes like a cherry pie. Like with a little bit of tartness, it's perfect. It's amazing.
0: I so. uh I have to rectify because uh, I've never actually even thought about it until this moment that I've never actually straightened out the fact that I used to say that Berliner's tasted like Cheez-Its. Cuz <laughs> Because they do, or stinky feet? <laughs> they do. They still do taste like Cheez-Its. However, now the Berliner game has stepped up in Florida. There's like some really wonderful Berliner vices. I mean, a lot of them still have that cheesy, salty, whatever it is that funk that I don't yeah. particularly care for, but a lot of them are just really killing it. And the fruit Berliner is like a huge deal now. That's That's here to stay, and I think I think if you go back to the coasters episode, all the way back like three three years ago. Oh yeah, I think that we talked with who was the guest uh, on that episode besides um, what's uh, the owner? The owner, Uh, yeah, Uh, Jason. Or uh, he he said he said this is three years ago, so pardon, and I just sprung it on him. So of course we don't. (laughs) I'm not prepared. Yeah, but he said. That he thought the Florida, the Florida style beer should be a fruit Berliner. Yeah. And that was, was like, saying, yeah. that was at least three years ago. And here we are sitting here going, oh, yeah, well, here it, we fruit are. Berliners are. are all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> that should I in, laughed. Man. I laughed when he said that. I was like, God, I hope not. I don't want to be drinking fruity cheese. It's all for the rest of my life. Yeah, and then, and then I said, uh, "The infamous Belgians are simple yet complex." And then Sim- everybody simple else. yet complex. Why is why is that not on a shirt yet? Uh, it's coming, buddy. Simple <laughs> coming. yet complex. Just not even. Don't even leave. Just leave Belgians off of it. Just simple yet complex. That's what like. That's us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's that's another new slogan for the show. Simple <laughs> and simple yeah. and bold, and then yeah. but complex yeah. as like an afterthought.
1: down the back it says uh boss logger sucks
0: (laughs) oh god don't don't we can't go down that road again i've been down we
1: can't well i've had to eat
0: those words already
1: yeah we have to go down a a more serious and sad road here for a little bit um like i said in the intro red cypress is closed um so before we get into the news and the article that we'll obviously discuss and our thoughts and opinions i want to have a share a touching moment with the listeners and Jeff is obviously gonna participate of the importance of what Red Cyphers meant to to me and the show. Um cool. we've done sixty we've done sixty six episodes at least. Um we've done a lot of crazy things in the last almost four years, Jeff. This October we'll be doing the show for four years
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, together. Um and Red Cyphers was in episode six. They were the first brewery that we ever highlighted on the episode on the show. Uh, in his current format at the bar podcast has been around for a very long time, about 10 years. But with having Jeff fun in the current format, October of 2019 would be four years. Um, so Ryan Parker, CEO of red software came by when we were still recording at world beer UCF and had, we had a three hour interview of a fucking disaster.
0: Oh, it was, <laughs> it was not an, <laughs> a oh,
1: drunk God. disaster. So not
0: a disaster. Such beautiful content. Oh, oh it, it was amazing.
1: Uh, it was Unorganized. We had no idea what the fuck we were drinking half. <laughs> like the beers were all fucking confused. But it it kind of opened my eyes in, into what we call the brewery spotlights. Of we go to these breweries, we interview the people behind them, we talk about it, we talk about the beer, and, and those are my favorite episodes to record. I know Jeff, you've uh, very told much told so, me man. those are your favorite as well. Yeah,
0: that's where I think that we just do our best work, and it's just where we're really in our element. And yeah, and I have to actually thank Ryan for that because that was like to be honest with you, that was like the first moment where I felt comfortable doing this. Cause uh, I, cause you know, when I first started with you, I said like, you know, I was I, right up to the first, like, all right, we're starting on the first episode I was on. I was like asking you questions about like, can I, can I say, can I say curse words? Can I, yeah. uh, what, you know, what can I, am I allowed to do this or am I allowed to do that? And, and I was so like, reserved and quiet and not ready to talk when I was on those first episodes. And then like that brewery spotlight in that first interview with him was like where we found our niche. I feel like where we really found where we shine. And that was like a big opening thing. And and it went for three hours because I think we were just so excited just to be doing it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we had that episode. that episode was recorded three months after they opened and they, and it was their actual distribution release party that we, we interviewed Ryan and that went the way it did. It's episode six, it's free to listen to. Um, and then we are one and only uh, event, right? It's the World of Beer, uh, first annual at the time, uh, only annual homebrew fest. Yeah. Um, and we Jeff approached Ryan about taking part, in participating in that and Ryan, without hesitation, agreed to it. And the winner of that event brewed their beer, RC76. At Red Cypress, and it got sold out to all the the greater Orlando Wobs. And that was such a great moment for us and for me to be like, wow, like maybe we have something. Maybe it's not just me and Jeff at a table on an outside patio just getting drunk and bullshitting. Maybe we have something as a team. And then fast forward to uh, episode 50, I believe.
0: Yeah, I think we've done four dedicated, and this will be our fifth. I'm pretty sure Red Cypress episodes. I
1: don't know which came first, your departure episode or episode fifty.
0: Mm-hmm. But
1: anyway, anyway, those two episodes were recorded at Red Cypress. Uh, yeah. Jeff, when Jeff announced to the listeners that he was moving to uh, Jupiter to to run Black Marlin, we recorded that in the Red Cypress tap room, as well as our you know big five zero episode we recorded with RJ. Uh, and ryan parker in red stuff tap room so yeah they've been a part of a lot of big milestones for us and and big changes in our lives personally uh and and to for me and my to see them close was was very sad and uh, unexpected um so you know it's it's so it sucks, a shock yeah. it's it sucks and um but we'll get into
0: you know our opinions and how we yeah. feel about it uh well, well, moving forward but yeah, let me just tell that, this that's why That's my just soapbox. Such a good, like, the one moment, too, during that three-hour interview, and, like, we take a break, and we're at like two and a half hours in, and it's like way over. We told, and I think we told him too. It's like, yeah, it's like an hour episodes. Like it'll be quick, you know, maybe a little more, or whatever. We're at like two and a half hours into just drinking and getting drunk, and like his wife is Ryan's wife is there, and she's like, you know, looking at the watch, it's like time to go. So we like take <laughs> yeah. a break. We take a break, and we go into the bathroom, and I'm peeing, and Ryan's at the urinal next to me, and he's just like, "You I mean drunk?" And we're both we're both drunk, and he's just like man this is a really long interview <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah and it's yeah it's going a lot longer than i thought it was gonna go and he's like yeah man well let's get back out there like we like he just like was not he was excited to keep going and, and we ended up, ended up going out for another half hour and talking more um and then of course when he was done he's like okay it's really time for me to go now <laughs> like, i really
1: need to leave." <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: but it was so great. Cause it was like, we just got that, that relationship started. And, and like I said, yeah, partnering with them for the homebrew festival. I think that prize was like so awesome. Like what a killer prize for homebrewers to get the opportunity to not only brew with a, on a professional system with a professional brewery who's, who is in the market doing good beers. Um, but to have, you know, your beer on tap at five world of beer locations as a homebrewer, like that's yeah. just so, that's such a killer thing. Um, and the first time I tried death roll and I was like, man, that is my favorite stout. It's to, to this day, death roll, it, original death roll is just like for a base stout is just so good. It, it really, I mean, it's so awesome. And just all uh, their, their tap room's cool. All the people were all cool. It's just a real shame that, that, you know, it, the ride has ended, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. So is that, is that, is that your soup box, Jack, uh Jeff?
0: yeah i got that burp i'm just
1: finally getting over a cold and my voice is, is fine. yeah that's why we didn't weird. do last
0: week my, mikey was having a little uh a we little illness
1: this, a little illness yeah so uh moving into we, we uh we pulled an article which i think brings up a multitude of points it's, it's kind of a, a spider webby uh mm-hmm. article, i'm gonna minimize our video chat here so i can look uh we're on our, a new site uh let's scroll up here it's uh FloridaBeerNews.com. So that's Florida, the state of Florida, BeerNews.com. And with a quick search, uh, you find uh, July 1st of this year, 2019, the article is called The Lessons of Red Cypress. And without reading the whole thing, um, the author, whose name is not here, which I, it sucks, I'd like to give him or her credit for it, uh, pretty much applause. Uh, Red Cyphers for making great beer uh, and having great distro beers. Spook Hill. Uh, Jeff just mentioned the um, Death Roll um, subdivisions and uh, Devil Share IPA. There is all great distro beers in this writer's opinion, and I would agree as well. Um, but one thing that really um, he harped or or she harped on was the fact that. Uh, the, the point that I saw that really stuck with me, and, and I'm as guilty as everybody, is that you know when you go to a Total winder or ABC or go to a bar, a lot of the big craft beer nerds and enthusiasts like myself and like Jeff uh, see Red Cypress and see, like, oh, man, Spookkill, that's a great beer. Uh, I get that, but let me see the limited stuff. Let me see one-offs. Let me see the new hype beers and, and everything else. And so you overlook – easy-drinking, good staple beers to get the latest one-off, the latest collab, whatever. And if you multiply that by the thousands of thousands of beer drinkers here, your your cans and your beers aren't selling as fast as you would anticipate. And as well as the juggling of, of selling the beer and expanding and increasing production and everything Red Cyphers had, a big facility, statewide distro. They distroed out of state. They were everywhere. The production was was putting out a lot of beer, but yet for some reason all that was not enough. And mm-hmm. they and they have closed. And um it really kind of brings up a lot of points and and um sorry I'm juggling a lot here. No big uh, You know it's <clears throat> you know it, it's and I'm guilty. Like I when I go to Total Wine or I go to ABC like I'm getting a mixed six pack. I'm getting shit I can't get all the time. Seasonal stuff, limited stuff, this and that. I love Death Roll. I love to me, the best stout you could have gotten all day every day in Orlando and maybe mm-hmm. even, even in Central Florida. Yep. The death row on Nitro was amazing. All the the death row treatments I brought down to you, Jeff, uh, they were all great. All great. Oh, phenomenal. Yep. But I would always overlook overlook that because I wanted that hidden spring sour, because I wanted yeah. that angry chair stout, because I wanted this Berliner with 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 you know Gatorade or with this. And and I did it all the time. And I couldn't even tell you, honestly, couldn't even tell you the last time I bought a Red cypress beer at a bar or in uh, on a shelf. Couldn't
0: tell you. Now, see, that's that's what I was just going to bring up. I actually think in in distro, in tap rooms, or in bars, which we've already discussed before, that, that that market itself is dwindling, where I don't think the tap room and bar craft beer market is thriving as much as the uh, brewery experience market is where people are going to more breweries. They're going to less tap rooms, um, but that's a it's completely separate. And this is why Mike said, this is a spider web topic. You could take, you could take the name red Cypress out of this article and plug in almost any massively distro brewery and it would apply. Um, mm-hmm. I would imagine that if, if you, if you talked about cigar city who relies so heavily on massive distro, uh, massive distro of core brands, Um, and ask them how Maduro sales are doing or how Florida lager, uh, or whatever it's called Tampa lager sales are doing, or, or, you know, uh, any of their core brands, how they're doing. Um, I bet you they're down. And the thing is that I actually do believe, and I don't know for sure, but most craft beer enthusiast level drinkers have such a stockpile of one-off beers or have so much that they're holding and keeping and aging and all these things that I don't. I don't ever just grab a six pack of things to crush the same beer over and over again. Like I, I, right. I'm not a, I, I love death roll. If I went out to a bar and death Roll was on tap, I would order it probably every time, literally every time. If I went out anywhere in, in the, you know, Martin and Martin and St. Lucie and Palm city or in, in uh, Palm beach County uh, area and death roll was on tap, I would have ordered it, but it's never on tap down here. But if I went into total wine, it's there in a six pack. I have no interest in getting six of the same can of any beer. Like, it's just, I I don't drink that way. I like to try new things and try a different thing. And now you have, because of that, you have this massive, massive, massive selection of so many different beers and every one of them has got to be unique and different. So they're pushing the envelope on these crazy, crazy flavors and different things. And most of it's honestly not as good as the, as the marketing or the bottle makes it sound or look, or the flavors they say are in there that aren't actually in there, but you have to keep trying it in hopes that you hit that, that, you know, home run. And, yeah. and unfortunately the, the, the death that comes in association to that is the, the core brand, you know, cause everybody's looking for that new thing, that new thing, that new thing. Well, now that's like the death of core brands. You're not going to have that, that massive influx for, you know, death roll, or for, uh, or for Maduro, or for whatever. I mean, to funky Buddha Floridian. You're not seeing. Have you have you gone and bought a funky Buddha Floridian six pack? <laughs> never, never. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's and that at one time, not even that long ago, probably three or four years ago, that was the number one selling hefeweizen in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, I think it was the number one selling wheat beer in Florida. Yeah, and that nobody's buying that. I mean, I'm not saying nobody's buying it. It's obviously still in distribution, but but that's the numbers not, have That's not the country. way people drink anymore. Is buying, you know, I'm going to go buy twelve, you know, it's two six packs of Floridian and drink and drink twelve Floridians. It's like no, you just everybody switches and switches and switches. I mean, like we talk about those Truly's and those White Claws and stuff. You know, everybody's buying the mixed the mixed twelve packs with four different flavors because you, even that you don't want to drink the same one over and over again.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need you need to change it up, get variety, <clears throat> and that's what it, it's all about, right? Like you made a point, and when you first started talking about, uh, is highlight selling a lot or like it used to? And and I feel like that's a double edged sword. Um, I think when like breweries like Cigar City expand to new territory, I think their numbers for the cores skyrocket. If Cigar City starts selling in Texas, right, they're gonna sell their shit out of all the core brands because people it's new and that is that that new factor right of you'll have three months of like holy shit our beers are through the roof and then it go it drops man because it's now not cool it's not new anymore i think that's like you said it's killing flagship beers and 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 is making them sit on the shelf and be quote unquote shelf turds um you know when's the last time you ordered a highlight
0: I, I don't order. I, I mean, even if it's on tap, I wouldn't or, order that, but, or but, a Florida cracker
1: or whatever it is. Like.
0: Uh, yeah, a Maduro or something. Yeah. I, I order Maduro occasionally, but not, I mean, not, not nearly like I used to, not nearly when I used to think that cigar city was king of the world and everything they touched was gold. Uh-huh. Um, You know, I think I've made it relatively clear over the years how I've I've seen their quality drop-offs, but not to get spin off into a into a hate fest on another brewery when we're you know when we're talking about a a brewery that I thought did do a good job and continued trying to do a good job um, closing, and it's it kind of is a shame where you do have these breweries that you know you have breweries out there that are just phoning it in now and they're still making money and they're living off of a past, uh, a past time when they were King or top dog. And you got, I mean, I'm not saying that the, and people are going to bash me again, but I'm like, you got the people we've talked about before, like the Sierra Nevadas. And, um, and, and, you know, I've said it was cigar city in um, and, and places, people like that where, you know, I don't necessarily think it's about the quality of beer anymore. I think it's that they've gotten to the point where their distribution is so massive that they can only, put out the beer as it's been done, you know, where, you know, a, a basic pale ale is Sierra Nevada's bread and butter. And it's like, okay, let's just keep putting out a pale ale. We, we don't have time to do anything, you know, better. It's just, let's just keep putting out the pale ale. And so, you know, you've got these breweries who are succeeding and basically phoning it in. And then you've got a brewery that's sitting here doing it right and making quality beers. But because we're so inundated by, by massive, massive options, they just don't end up finding a foothold, and it just kind of sucks. It's like that, you know. How does yeah. how do you break in? How do you do it?
1: Yeah, and and I, I I've been sitting on this topic for for a, several weeks, so I I've I've had time to sit and think about it, and I'm just gonna go ahead and I'm gonna say what I think Red Cypress failed on as as a business from the outside looking in, right? So there's a couple things, and we just covered one of them is distribution. I feel. From what i've seen is their core brands just weren't selling because they just core brands just don't are hard they're really hard to to, mm-hmm. to sustain a foothold so that's point one point two they had can releases every other weekend for the longest time and i used to go to all of them and i stopped because it was just taking up too much of my time ha- wanting to go every other week to get these one-offs and to get these treatments and then i just stopped going so it kind of they kind of watered down their releases because they were doing too much all the time. Mm-hmm. So I stopped going. You know, I could get these beers a week later because no one else went either.
0: Right. And, and out of curiosity, were the releases good or were they? Yeah. I mean, doing Whatever. that many one-offs, they have to. Was there was there a, a drop in quality or were they all still solid?
1: And that's that's another point I'm going to bring up. Number three, I th- I think. Uh, they were all solid to answer your question. Uh coconut death roll, kitchen sink. Uh I have a you I've given you uh
0: a- oh, I've tried all the death roll yeah. ones, but I know yeah. they did a lot of other stuff too.
1: Now a lot of other stuff. Um, and then I think between that and when Garrett, who now uh does Sideward over in the milk district, I think when he left, there's a big drop off in quality. Mm-hmm. And I think that hurt them a lot. Uh because I mean that's one of the reasons why I actually stopped going to the tap room. Was because the beers weren't as good as they were. Um, and I don't know the exact reasons. I'm not gonna speculate. It's not my I don't want to offend anybody by by blaming people that I may not know the situation, but from my experience, there was a big drop-off in quality once Garrett left. Um, so that's three. And then four, which I think is the biggest one, is um I think they overexpanded, slash didn't support the brand in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. So Um, people aren't good. We're in a, we're in a time where there's so much craft beer that people tend to not take a risk on buying a six pack of a beer they never had. They'll buy singles, but if they don't know about the beer or don't have an opportunity to try it without having to make a purchase, they're probably not going to purchase it. Mm -hmm. So with, with their expansion, I mean, red cypress was available from Jupiter all the way up to the Carolinas. And I hardly saw any events, hardly saw any tastings, they were at half of the beer events that most other breweries went to. They just didn't support the the their product in the market. And I think that's so detrimental when mm-hmm. you have mounting bills and you're buying photos and you're buying new equipment and all this stuff. You have to somehow find a a, a course of action to promote your brand, have events, and get have get people get the, your product in people's hands without necessarily having them to buy it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Beer fests don't work anymore because you go there, there's so many fucking breweries, so many fucking and beers that by the end of it, you're so drunk you're not gonna remember what Spook Hill tastes like three hours because you're trashed.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and, and also you're also going up against everybody's one off, everybody's specialty, everybody's something. You've got breweries that are absolute garbage out there pouring their one their one great beer. And, mm-hmm. and you're like, and they're like, everybody, Oh my God, I love this. Whatever. So-and-so beer from whoever it is, Joe Schmo brewing. And then they go and you go out to that brewery and I've had this happen. So many beer festivals. I go and I try two beers or one beer from a tent and I'm like, I've never heard of this brewery before. Oh, they're over in St. Pete or they're over in here. Or they're there. And you try their beer and you're like, Oh my God, dude, this is amazing. Sour. And then you go out to the brewery and one, that beer not even there. And yep. two, all their other beers are threes or lower yeah ununtapped <laughs> and you're like you're like well i just wasted my time because they brought out you know they brought out the freaking golden can here and and showed me their best thing but the rest of their crap sucks and it's like i'm not you know i'm not saying that uh, that's not a good strategy that's obviously a fantastic strategy i mean right. <laughs> put your best foot forward but it's hard if you're the brewer who's bringing out your core beers to sample against that person's you know, Golden Goose, and all these breweries are bringing out their Golden Gooses. And if you're a brewery that really is just like, "Hey, we do things right, and we focus on our core brands," and please try this, you know, Death Roll Stout. It's a fantastic stout. Well, people are like, "Yeah, I know it's a fantastic stout, but I just had some triple dessert stout with freaking chocolate and and truffles in it." Sure. You know, like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, they forget all about the basic stout when you're out there. I mean, people don't even look at styles that are real styles at a beer festival and even consider them for a, a thing to go. Like you're never going to go to a tent that's pouring a Pilsner. No, you're never, you're never going to go to a tent. That's like, Oh, we've got this really great reward winning kolsch." Like, yeah, no, More you times go, that you're not going to go. No, right. you, you, when you prioritize your tents, you go, Oh man, I need to get that freaking barrel age, double chocolate cupcake stout. Yep. And you're like, or yeah, oh, you know. right. I mean, that's yeah. Or, or I need to get some hazy boys. Um, <laughs> i mean that's and that's
1: i mean that's where i don't know man like god you know we had a, a friend of the show man uh adam uh jeff met adam it's been a while but you know adam been some time but yes uh worked for them. he was their sales rep and he had a, a massive territory and tried his best to sell his beers and and he was let go because uh red cyphers expanded too fast you know and and I, d- I don't know specifics. I don't know their expansion plan, but dude, that that must have sucked. Not only for him because he lost his job, but like as ownership, like you have to. I think the best way to expand is organically, mm-hmm. and if the demand is there, I'm not. If I'm opening a business, a brewery or whether in Orlando, I'm not distroing to Tampa until I can have proof, in confident proof that Tampa wants my my product. They, sure. Like they need it. They have to mm. need my product. Well, and I think just because you have the backing, the financial backing to expand doesn't mean you should expand if your products aren't selling. Right. Right. They're sitting on store shelves
0: well that's the risk is the expansion is the risk if you're making money at your current state continue to make money until you know what you need to do with it you know like if yeah you could always make more money but you could also lose money in an expansion if you're in a territory and you're killing it and you're doing good there's nothing wrong with taking a year to assess your value while you continue to make money and then you decide okay we've done the market research we put ourselves out there and now we know that we can make money in this market And let's take that risk now and put that money forward. And then you're a little insulated because you took the time to do it right. And you know that you're safe from, from, you know, well, not safe. You're never safe, but you know, you're, you're more confident. You've done your research and you're a little bit more confident about making that move. Um, What I was going to say, and and the reason I did bring them up earlier, and and now I kind of feel like I have to continue down this parallel that I made is because um, Red Cypress modeled their business plan after Cigar City, um, and Ryan is friends with with uh, some of the people over at Cigar City, uh, and has you know has been open with us about the fact that they were trying to do a very similar plan with strong cores and put them in the market and have people you know notice their brand through their cores and then put off one offs that would interest people. There's, and at first, that sounds like a really awesome idea. And we even talked about this four years ago and saying there's really two paths you can go now. And you could do the focus on the core brands and really kill it on style and make sure that you're stylistically accurate in putting out good beer. And then there's the other style, which is the off-the-wall dessert style, uh, crazy, hazy IPA and, and you know culinary-inspired beers and the crazy stuff where you're basically relying fully on one-offs and you don't have a strong core line. And, and we've seen both be extremely successful. Yep. Um, but the problem now is that the crazy dessert stout brewery is the one that's killing it because the market shifted to the absurd. We want the absurd, we want the craziness. Um, whereas when Cigar City hit the market years and years ago, significantly less competition, craft beer was just getting really ripping and roaring in Florida. And there was very few breweries putting out good beer. And it was a lot more of a stylistically focused drinker back then because craft beer didn't have 25,000 different doubts every time you go anywhere. So people were looking for a solid style and wanted to taste the difference between a brown ale and a porter and a stout and a this and a that. And they wanted to make sure that it was good beer they were drinking back then. I'm not saying it was easier, but there was a lot less competition and the drinker themselves was looking for a simpler beer than what we crave now. No, oh, yeah, no. I mean, what we crave now is absurd, and I'm guilty of it. I am so guilty of it. I love dessert stouts. Good God, I, that's all I drink. When I, yeah. <laughs> if I'm drinking a beer, I'm ordering the 14 percent, double barrel aged piece of crap that you know is has 800 grams of sugar and is, is probably a thousand calories. I'm ordering that beer. Every time <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, I'll <laughs> like, take two of those <laughs> like every single time. That's the one I'm ordering. And that's why I have to start drinking these damn white claws when I'm not or- drinking craft beer, because every time I drink a craft beer, it's like drinking 12 Coors lights. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Coors lights so good. Uh, yeah, dude. You nailed it. You nailed it. it. It's a hard time to model yourself after Cigar City. And I would imagine that if you ask Cigar City now, they'd probably warn you against it because I can't I mean we've talked about it before I can't imagine that they're failing they're too big they're they're doing good they have a foothold they have a good name but I would be very surprised if I found out that their numbers are not in the toilet compared to what they were eight years ago.
1: Sure. Yeah yeah I mean you you nailed it on the head you know it's back where we started the show there is no such we there is no cherry pie Berliner. There is no angry chair there is no uh Beer slushies or Omnipolo Polo cotton candies—that wasn't a thing. Right. You we were focused on, uh, you know, like you said, a, a, a classic Kolsch. Or if a pilsner had lime in it,
0: we're like, oh shit. That I mean that was that, that? That was back when Hunapu was like the most groundbreaking thing. That there's an ancho chili pepper chocolatey stout, and it's like that's now there's like four of those that exact style beer there's been clone it's been cloned like four times i mean prairie bomb is is that that's prairie bomb is is fucking hunapu i mean it's different because they have a different recipe but it's the exact same you know ingredients (laughs) yeah it's a big chocolate style with chilies yeah so but that was like that would back then that was like groundbreaking to even attempt something like that now every brewery has three or four of those you know not that exact beer but you know what i mean something that's absurd And, and that's
1: their version of that yeah I mean it's no hard seltzer is nothing. And and it's the evolution of people wanting more and different things. And and man, milkshake IPA is like, what the fuck? That five years ago was like, how is that even possible? Now it's possible. Or, or you know, so it's hard sodas even when we first started the show, it was like, What? And now they had their moment in the light and now they suck. Uh and Jeff was right. Um, so it's <laughs> it's one of those things where like you know, you could focus on cores and, and rely on that. But if you want a good core brand, you have to support the cores. Or option B is, like Jeff said, you do the one-offs. And and Hinton Springs is a good example of that. They have their core beers, but then they also have their one-offs and stuff. Um, and their one-offs are, are the Sours, right? So they have the ZFG. They have Deja Moo. They have... Uh, Another one that I'm forgetting, but they also, so those sell all right, probably in comparison, but compared to their, you know, the monthly uh, sours they do, whether it's upside down or the the key lime or whatever it is, social sale or whatever it is, those, I would assume from not knowing would outsell the shit out of their, their core beers. And, and, you know, you have your core brands like Cigar City, and then you have your, your Hidden Springs that do some cores, but their one-offs, their sours, they're, even their barrel-aged bottles probably sell exponentially more than <laughs> their cores. But then things have developed, and I feel this is a, a, a Mike business plan. I'm calling it now July 7th, 2019. Mike from At The Bar Podcast came up with a, a C plan to sell beer. You oh, ready, yeah. Jeff? You ready for this? I'm ready. You rotate you have a set of beer let's see let's do 5 beers every 3 months you release those 5 beers for 3 months at a time so you Wait have so option c let's say we're in florida it's the summertime right and we're canning every beer we put in a distro we put 5 beers in the distro each cycle and each cycle's every 3 months so four times a year q1 q2 q3 q4 so this our summer distro beers would be all light Sours, heart seltzers, all canned four packs. Mm-hmm. And then the next, once that three month summer block is over, we go into fall. And Mike Brewing, you know, Mike's Brewery, whatever, releases another set of five, but are fall, all fall themed pumpkin, uh, cranberry, whatever, what, whatever the fuck. And then you have, once those three months are over, you have three months of uh, winter, you have the heavier stuff, the South the supporters. The, the Browns and maybe like do like a Christmas sour, And then the spring three months or another set of five and they're all spring inspired. And you just keep every year or every three months you're releasing five beers.
0: And they stay the same. They're the same. It's like season. It's they, like, it's like the seasonal lineup. It's uh so it's like Sam it's a, seasonal, but yeah, it's, it's that, but it's
1: your whole core line. It's a, it's a whole 20 different beers being released at five sets, four times a year.
0: If you want to create a market for your beer, just by just I mean just with releasing the same beers, that's that would absolutely work. Hundred you know, percent. It's
1: it's hey guys, here's beers one, two, three, four, and
0: five. These are only available June, July, and August. So that's what you should call them too. I think that should be the names of the beers. Yeah. Which one and do then, you like from Dirty Mike's Brewery? Oh, I like beers one. I like, <laughs> I like beers uh, six, twelve, and thirteen. Yeah yeah they're great i really like the fall season and then you do september
1: <laughs> october november and they're a different set of five beers but each one is based on the season and you can change them year after year after year but it's each five beers are only available for three months and they're based on the season which they were released so you don't have cores and you technically you have seasonals but that's all you'd be releasing because you don't have a core line. You have to support necessarily, so you don't get the shelf turds, You don't get, you know, people overlooking your beers. So you're and you're capitalizing on having it new, having it limited. And hey, guys, you better get it before it runs out. So people are gonna fucking oh my god, I have another two weeks to get Mike's beer one, his passion fruit pineapple Kolsch. I gotta get it because in two weeks their fall lineup is gonna be released, or the, and you can develop yeah. hype as well. Yeah. Plenty. I call it,
0: and and then you actually always have something to market too. You always have a release coming up or a release ending, so you always have marketing material, which is really a challenge. A lot of these guys, I mean, it, it gets stale trying to market your old products um, and not having a deadline or or a a reason to sell it. Um, you know, that's why they all capitalize. That's why you see all these beer commercials for the Super Bowl. That's like they're That's like, hey, we have an opportunity to put a beer commercial out, and people might actually watch it this time rather than. DVR over it or, you know, whatever. Um, so that's why you see these guys, whenever there's an event or an opportunity like St. Patty's day or 4th of July, like we just had, um, where all of a sudden the beer commercials are on, it's like, it's, they're, they're looking for an opportunity to have a reason to market. And, and that's when you do something like what you're talking about, you always have a reason to market because you're always either starting or ending a release. So you always have something to put out there and, Hey, come out. We got a month left of this. If you really like these beers and, and I'm just going to assume, and don't, you know, forgive me, but I'm assuming your brewery's name is dirty Mike and the boys. So come on out for dirty Mike and the boys last, uh, you know, last month of fall season and get, you know, beers, uh, 15 through 20. Yeah. Yeah. And then with that also, it
1: helps maintain freshness, right? Beer, most beer tend to last ninety days, so if three months, people, three months. So, if you go into an ABC or total wine and you see Mike's summer lineup, but it's September, he, he so his during Mike and the Boys his fall lineups out. More likely that summer beer is probably old, so it helps shelf maintenance and employees maintain shelves because the logo, the, the label is going to say that you know, from June to August and, and, and it, you don't have to check dates. You don't have to, yep, that's probably old. Either we'll mark it down or the distro distribution will buy it back or whatever the case is. So it helps make shelf maintenance and f- maintaining freshness
0: easier too. Can I, can I say something that is going to get the haters really stirring right now? Yes, do but, it. I love it. Um, I can say with absolute confidence that with the exception of the IPA style that I will buy old beer in cans, not in <laughs> bottles, but I will buy old beer in cans with confidence, any style except for IPA. There's <laughs> there is no, there is no difference. No difference. I, I'm sorry. I don't know. I, I know everybody will say, no, you need high ABV to age a beer. You need this or that and blah, blah, blah. I have picked up freaking a wheat beer in a can that's like a year old and drank it. And it tastes the fucking same every time. (laughs) Like, I'm sorry. I'm (laughs) sorry. I know there's going to be people out there and enthusiasts going, this guy's an idiot. And maybe I am. And maybe my palate's not that refined. I drink trulys. I'm sorry, (laughs) but I'm telling you, I'm telling you guys there to just buy them with confidence. Get them on the discount rack when they really sell them off. When they're like really old, just buy them. They taste fine. Uh, There's nothing yeah, wrong with yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what to say after that. Uh, I saw a beer at Total Wine the other day. It was like two and a half years old. Oh, was God. Like, if it was a style I wanted, I'd probably buy it because it was like 50 cents like they're just like get rid of this thing i think i think what i think listeners the thing to take away is jeff's palate's not too picky well <laughs> a i am simpler guy never <laughs> i've never met a beer i haven't finished and i've always said with confidence every time somebody says would you like to try a sample of that i said if it's a bad decision i only have to live with it for about seven minutes <laughs> <laughs> i'm freaking i don't care like i mean <laughs> If it's a bad beer, it's a bad beer, and you drink it, and you move on to the next one. I mean, yeah. come on, it's a, I, I love when people send beers back, or oh, this is just not this is not hoppy enough for me, or this or that. And it's like you can't drink twelve ounces of of something that's just not particularly your favorite. Wolf like, it down, fucking grow a pair. That's why. My I'm God, do you know how many ciders I've chugged? You get
1: like. <laughs> I mean, you are the president of the CCC. Stuff. No, no,
0: no, 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 not Ooh. the president. Supreme viceroy.
1: Supreme <laughs> Viceroy.
0: Viceroy of the CCC.
1: So, I mean, yeah, I mean, says the guy who drinks Trulies. Uh. <laughs>
0: They're, okay, well, I have to. That's a, I'm, it's wedding season, right? I see, I see the top <laughs> of the can. You are drinking <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, this one's the Wild Berry Truly. It's fantastic. Okay, all right. Actually, uh, you know which one's really good out of this, and I'll tell you. I, I've tried just about every one of these hard seltzer brands now, and I will say the Smirnoff Mixed Pack is really really good but the watermelon one is not so it almost ruins the six pack because i mean the 12 pack because the other three flavors are all really really good but then that watermelon one is like you got three three bad ones in there um just add gin to it the truly wild berry or the truly berry mixed 12 pack is the best of the mixed packs that you can get out of these hard seltzers. They're freaking all really good, but the blueberry acai one is fucking awesome. Okay, you guys heard it here, Paul. It might be the best hard seltzer flavor. That's an individual one. The lemonade one in the Smirnoff pack is also really, really good. Uh, So those are like the two that I would say are pretty close, but that blueberry acai truly is, it's really good that's oh, like shit. dude if i could get a 12 pack of that that's something i wouldn't mind drinking over and over again especially on a boat day
1: yeah oh i'm gonna get you on Saturday day soon enough uh, oh well this is that would be a seltzer sunday <laughs> oh, so hard now. Are we doing that? Is that we're gonna hashtag Sour Sunday, hashtag Seltzer Sunday? Anything that starts with an S. Yes, we're just gonna <laughs> yeah,
0: start, yeah. do it on Sundays. Yeah, Natterday, Saturday. Well, we can't. Yeah, we can't. Saturdays is already you know monopolized by Natterdays, so now we yeah, gotta yeah, yeah, we yeah. got to take advantage of Sundays.
1: Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So, Jeff, what do you what do you think? From I know you you have been in Orlando recently, and you know mm-hmm. uh you're you're. Viewpoints a little bit different, uh, just because you're 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 two hours south. But what do you think from what you've seen and stuff? Maybe hinted towards or, or led to the closure of, of Red Ciphers here, because I know I talked a lot about it. Uh, kind of want maybe your your opinion on on the situation.
0: I mean, I think it's kind of we've like overviewed it all, and I guess the big uh, umbrella term that would be uh, what basically to sum up what we just discussed would be you know. That uh, quote unquote, bubble bursting moment of what's gonna start happening with these breweries. and we're seeing it now. and now the unfortunately, the victim of the bubble burst of this craft beer bubble that we're st- you know, that we've been talking about for years now Here. and it's oh, yeah. slow, slowing down, slowing down, slowing down, and then all of a sudden, You know, breweries aren't expanding anymore. Now we're starting to lose breweries and breweries are starting to close. It wasn't too many years ago where Forbes released that opening a brewery was a hundred percent successful business venture in America. In three years. Yeah, because that was that was literally no breweries were closing. Right. Because anybody you opened up a crap brewery and people supported you because the craft beer boom was just going. And then we saw it start to tail off, and all of a sudden you had to start making good beer. Well, now we're starting to see the bubble really burst. Where even if you make good beer, you still have to make you still have to make an impact somewhere else. Because if Red Cypress closing, and let me just tell you, there are a lot worse breweries out there than Red oh. Cypress. Oh yeah, a lot, and that are still making beer and still making money. And I don't know for whatever reason, and maybe they're next on the list of closures, and maybe they're not, but. It's really a shame that a, a industry where it was once, not that long ago, a 100% success rate, and we all kind of saw the writing on the wall of it's going to start tailing back. It's going to start coming back, and people are going to start seeing breweries close. And now we're seeing it it burst so hard that even breweries that make good beer are not safe. You know? Yeah. Um, and that's what I said. I've, and this one's really shocked me because that's what I've always said is as long as you make good beer, you'll be okay. Because the first breweries that are going to close are the ones that are not making good beer. Yeah. And, and apparently that's not true. Apparently At it's gotta be, yeah. apparently it's gotta be a combination just like restaurants or any other business, a combination of, you know, uh, gimmicky advertising and some kind of niche and make sure your tap room has some kind of cool thing and, and it's great. And then you gotta be in a good location and you gotta be you know and your beer's got to be good and then maybe you su- and then maybe you survive maybe you don't i mean it's it's crazy that the the amount the amount of things to succeed in in craft breweries in the last 5 years has gone from zero extra things other than open a craft brewery to now it's like you need to do 17 different things completely right yeah or else people will just forget you're there
1: yeah i think that's what really really got to me when when it was announced was you know red cypress made overall really good beer overall there's a couple stinkers like every other brewery but overall their beers are really phenomenal and i have some left over when i head down i'll bring some stuff that we can we can crack open but um and, and that's what really is like they made such good beer and and it's one of those things of like is the question is is breweries who don't participate in the hype styles are they at that much of a disadvantage is is hype beers currently in the market of july of 2019 that powerful to where if you're not adapting you're putting yourself at such a disadvantage by not doing milkshake IPAs, but not doing Mm. the big heavy sweet dessert stouts but not doing heavily fruited uh berliners or hard seltzers like are the hype styles or hazies or the hype styles have that much power and authority to where they can shut you down. Even if you make great beer. Um, I don't know. That's, I, I mean, that you know,
0: I'd say, I'd say, I say, yes, I say, I'd say you're at the, I'd say this almost proves at least in our market that yes. But what I would say is you need to understand, you need to understand what you do and do it right and do it well. and, and I think that is, you almost have to look at it as leagues, you know, as like if this was a professional sport, if being in beer distribution or being a brewery was a professional sport and you're, you want to brew in your traditional styles and you're an upstart and you want to do all great styles and the traditional and just really kill it, be prepared to stay there for a while. And if you're okay with staying there and making your money and doing your thing, like The great rap brewery that we always talk about that has no interest in ever being a distribution and they say we just want to keep doing what we do we want to keep doing it well and they make money at their tap room and they do awesome and for them even them who i i think they have notoriety in their name just from being doing consistent work for as long as they have i think they could go into distribution but i think if you move into that next league you better bring the weapons needed to succeed at that next league and, yeah. and that's and that's where I think, I don't want to say you're at an immediate disadvantage um, if you are not a hype brewery. I think non-hype breweries can just absolutely kill it at, at staying small. And, and I think they always will do great. If you make good beer, the rule of thumb I still think stands. If you make good beer, you'll be fine as long as you don't overextend yourself into this distribution market that you're Ill, that you're ill-prepared for. If you're going to go into distribution, you better be a, at least have some hype beers. Not you don't have to be a hype brewery, but at least have those hype beers that keep your name in the back of somebody's head for looking yeah. at your beer when they see you at ABC because if if you don't have that Hunapu, then nobody's even going to remember that you have high lie. Correct, yeah. So yeah. that is so you need if you are going to go into big distro, you better have that that at least two or three beers, those limited releases, you know, for Funky Buddha, it's like, you better have that last snow and that love below and that, uh, last Buffalo. And, the, I mean the, you know, sticky treats or whatever the hell else. I mean, they have those. And even if they don't sell, even if they sit, which they have been lately. Yeah. At least people still go and say, wow, Funky Buddha, another release, Funky Buddha, this, Oh, Funky Buddha, sticky treats, funky, funky, funky. And they keep saying Funky Buddha. And all of a sudden, you remember them. You remember that they're there. Yeah. No, you're right. And, yep. and that's that's the problem is you just don't want to disappear into the beer landscape of a crowded beer shelf at the ABC.
1: shithole of distro.
0: <laughs> right. And, and you have to have your name stand out. And the only way to do that is to have hype. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be about that beer. You know, I guarantee that as, as uh, you know, Hoonapoo gets closer to releasing that all of the core brands of cigar city improve their sales. Yep. I mean, that's yep. just, that's, that's business. That's a guarantee. Or, so yeah, go ahead. So that's what you have to think about is if you want to be a small brewery and just do your thing, do your thing. But if you want to, if you want to go into that next league, you know, you can't, you can't do it with the wrong equipment. Yeah. You
1: know, like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, even I know I kind of shit on a while back. I shit on the variety packs of beer. Um, but I asked around the people who who sell it for or, or a living and they said the, the, the 12, like variety packs of like the stone, the dogfish and all that, they sell a lot better than what I thought they did. So I, I thought about it again. I think that's a good avenue <clears throat> to take of if you decide to distro and you want to do cans to do the variety pack and do three cores and a hype beer.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And I even do sell your packs
1: four packs just do only available in 12 pack varieties you get one hype beer and you get three core brands and that's the only way you can get the hype beer you only get the hype beer
0: in the 12 mixed packs sorry and, and but, people do it though people would buy oh, that what? and yeah, they would dude. and you know what and they would drink your three core beers and they'd probably, yeah, they and they'd probably cuz they already enjoy bought it. it they already bought it once they're in the once they're in the fridge they're you know then they're going to get drank they're not just going to sit there forever maybe if they do sit there forever someone's going to drink them or they,
1: I'll I'll get the the twelve pack. I'll take the three and I'll give my nine core beers to a friend. And guess what? Now that person has
0: my beer in their hands. They I'm might. Like, oh. They might. Yeah, you might turn that friend into a, a drinker of yours. And even better, if it is a friend who doesn't care enough about the hype beer or is maybe just a moderate craft beer level drinker, now you might be the only beer they know that they like.
1: Yeah, you know Pretty what I mean. So, brewing. Yep. That's good. good, That's a good. I like that. Yeah, it's got a good ring to it. Yeah, it got a good ring to it. But um, we're gonna wrap up here. I I think uh, we've we've covered enough of what Red Cypress has uh you know done for us and 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 the show and still sad and and you know I'm still kind of hurt by it. But you know any any uh, closing thoughts, words, Jeff, that you want to share as we're we're wrapping this this bad boy up.
0: I just, I feel sad. I feel saddened by this news. I just hear Kansas dust in the wind playing in my head. And, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, it's just not a good, it's not a good thing. It's really bad for, um, Florida craft beer. And just really, it's kind of a a telling tale of what's happening, you know, for the entire market. I don't think this is the last one you're going to see that will surprise you. Um, because I really do think you know, that the writing's kind of on the wall at this point that you need more than good beer. Now it's gotten to that point and you do need hype beers and it's gotten to that point as well. And you'll see those traditional breweries start to, to wane a little bit. Um, But it is what it is. I wish them all the best in whatever they pursue after this. I'm sure that a lot of those people, especially Ryan and the people who had, uh, you know, a lot of passion for the beer and everything are probably going to stay in the beer industry or would hopefully do so because I think they did a fantastic job. Um, And I really hope that they find their feet somewhere else in the craft beer industry. I am rooting for them. I would love to come and try some of Ryan's new beers at a different brewery or whatever he ends up doing. I would love to have that opportunity in the future. But I wish them nothing but the best of luck and a lot of love goes out to Red Cypress. And it's a real shame that um, you know we're not going to be able to to do another episode there or have another one of their delicious uh, death rolls in the future. Yeah. Or uh, well, what's what did I keep uh, yeah. when
1: we did episode fifty? I kept saying the same thing to Ryan uh and he kept laughing like i had to go back and listen to this episode 50 I'm like uh tell us ryan what you think or whatever whatever quote i said but um <laughs> yeah uh go back to listen to episode 50 and, and and let me know the thing i kept saying to ryan parker to where he giggled because he wasn't expecting it and i just rolled with it every time because everyone laughed um <clears throat> my closing thoughts was yeah this one hit really close to home uh, Red Cypher was definitely on the, the upper echelon of the Orlando craft beer market. Um, and then, you know, when that news broke out that they closed, I feel uh, that Orlando took a big hit um, in terms of what Orlando has to offer. Beer wise, uh, the closing of Red Cypher, Red Cypher is one of the oldest breweries uh, in Orlando. And they were definitely uh, there. They are dearly missed. And, and Orlando took a really big hit in terms of the quality. It was, uh, outputting and I guess unfortunately that quality was not enough for whatever reasons um, but I, I always wanted uh, you know I have a lot of love and respect for Ryan and and all the people at Red Cypress who we've met over the years who've been so kind and appreciative and, and supportive to us and, and our show and our little podcast that isn't really little anymore um, and they were Red Cypress and Ryan were one of those few stepping stones that really kind of brought us to where we, we are now and I'll always be grateful whether this show continues in five years or it stops next week. You know, we don't know, but as, as I stand now and moving forward, as long as the show is, is going on, I'll, I'll always be thankful and appreciative of, of everything they've done and all the, the shit they had to deal with. Sometimes of us doing a drunken three hour interview and, uh, Ryan probably getting yelled at by his wife that night. Um, (laughs) but, uh, uh, to go out on, on a, a more positive note. Um, red red cypress is dearly missed but there's a lot of other great breweries that orlando has to offer uh so if you're listening to this and you don't live around but you have an opportunity or a chance to come to orlando there's 29 soon to be 32 more uh breweries here that you can always come by and 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 see what really orlando has to offer there's a lot of great breweries here run by a lot of great people with with a really great staff and uh orlando has definitely has a lot to offer outside of Mm -hmm. uh disney and universal so
0: um so, are you saying it's not the butthole of craft beer anymore?
1: It's no, it still is. <laughs> <laughs> They're
0: still,
1: still the butthole of, of Florida craft, but we're, we are slowly getting more and more clean. <laughs> 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 well, once again, uh, thanks everyone for listening to episode I believe 66. It's one six shy of the devil's number, which was on the uh devil's chair can, red cypress can. Mm-hmm. with a 6.6% ABV. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was coincidence, but um, as always, thanks again for listening, and find us on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website at thebarpockets.com, where you can listen to the other 65 episodes all for free, including some kick-ass brewery spotlight interviews with some great friends of ours, or Sam Calagione interview we did a little over a year ago, and everything else. Dating back almost four years.
0: Almost four years. Wow. Almost four years. So uh it's crazy. <laughs> you know, we got to plan a four-year anniversary, but uh,
1: that 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 timing's not really good. <laughs>
0: yeah, there's something else going on little, in October.
1: Uh, well, yeah, October is a busy month for an anniversary, but I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll figure something out. Whether it's something that we do off air or, or whatever, but um. As always, everyone, thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm Mike. That was Jeff. And we'll see you all at the bar. Goodbye. Peace. Night.